What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Stacey DeVries on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Stacey, I'm just going to toss it. You start wherever you'd like. Good morning. Um, yeah, it's 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, and the boys are eating breakfast, and I'm so happy to be here. Um, my name is Stacy, and I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I um, met my husband here in college. We have been married for 10 years. We just had our 10-year anniversary this past October. Um, and we, yeah, we got married right out of college. I was 22. And we waited for quite a while to have to have kids. We had a lot of friends, and we still do have a lot of friends in the area. And we're just, um, we're having a lot of fun just being married and going to weddings and traveling and stuff like that. So um, we, yeah, we waited probably about five or six years to start taking seriously the idea of, oh, we want kids. Like, um, maybe they actually would be really fun and add a lot of joy to our life. So, so that was in probably five or six years into our marriage, which was, I'm trying to think of the year right now. I think it was in 20, 2014, maybe the beginning of 2015 that we started to, um, to try to have kids. We, we just stopped using birth control and tried for a long time, um, about a year into trying. I mentioned something to my doctor that I that I wasn't getting pregnant, and she said, okay, well, it has been a year, so um, that's kind of a long time, and you're in your late 20s. I would have thought it would have happened, so she, um, she said she would recommend that we just we have a fertility center in Grand Rapids that is really great. And she said she'd recommend just giving them a call. And so I did. And, um, several months later had an appointment there. Um, this was beginning of 2016 or 2015. I'm sorry, beginning of 2015 at this point. And, um, had an appointment with them, did a bunch of testing, nothing too crazy was found out. I have I do have a blocked fallopian tube and um, something that they call lazy follicles. So she kind of figured, my fertility doctor kind of just figured that with um, being on Femara, which is similar to Clomid, it's just a different kind of drug that kind of stimulates um, stimulates production. Um, she figured that with that, I would get pregnant. So um, went on that for several months and then did get pregnant. And that was, I think it was, I think it was like four cycles. So I got pregnant in April, April of 2015. Um, and it was a pretty smooth pregnancy. I had, um, yeah, I had, I had no issues really. I didn't even have much morning sickness, et cetera. And, um, we were so thankful. We were so thankful. We found out we were having a boy which was super um, crazy just because I only have a sister and, um, but we were excited and, and then he was born and then I was like, boy, he's awesome. Like this, 
this is like the best thing ever. And um, his name is Jace, and now he's almost four. So he was born January 2016. Um, and he is, yeah, he's almost four, and he's just the most compassionate, big-hearted little joy of our family. And yeah, and we were just so grateful. We were so, so grateful for this gift. It had been a year and a half coming, which is not long for a lot of people, but it, it was, yeah, it was hard at times to see just as a lot of your friends are getting pregnant around that time. But um, anyway, so we were so grateful. And then um, wanted to have more kids, actually hoped to have a bunch of kids, but we knew we for sure wanted more kids. So started trying again when Jace was a little over one, um, one in a couple months or something. Tried it, just thought we'd try it home for a while without any appointments, and um, and then it just wasn't happening again. Went back in. They did the HSG test. Um, still had a black tube. Um, this time it was months and months and months. So finally did an IUI and that didn't work. So an IUI is just, um, it's not like IVF. It's just a less expensive way to, they use a syringe and kind of just try to beat the odds of like more sperm reaching it. So um, yeah, had an IUI that didn't work. Had another IUI that didn't work. Um, they did another HSG test um, to just try to bump up my odds again, kind of clear things out in one tube, and then had a third IUI, and then I got pregnant again, and that was in end of October, end of October 2017, and I gave birth to my second son, Everett, in July of 2018, July 18, 2018, he was born. Um, also super, super thankful. It was it had been a hard thing again, but I also felt like it, it was, I don't know. We were very fortunate. I felt like we were very fortunate. We were hard, but it wasn't like we had no hope and the, the things that they tried eventually did work. Um, so yeah, so now I have Jason Everett who are, um, just about four and one and a half. And, and we knew we were, hoping and praying to have another kid and this time we were we were kind of sick of the money and the time of fertility treatments and um, we kind of wanted to leave it a little more a little more open um, just to kind of where where we could kind of trust God and see see kind of what he had planned and we also were open to the idea of foster care so um, this past summer, we started going to some foster care meetings, but we also started to um, start trying for a third kid. And I was taking some kind of homeopathic meds and also tracking my ovulation really closely. I was just trying to do everything that I could without going to a doctor and paying a lot of money and getting really stressed. So I was doing that at home, just trying to track as closely as I could and trying to I have an iron deficiency, so I was taking iron pills, and I was taking some natural progesterone, um, just things like that, trying to bump up our odds. And then in September, um, just the second month of us, like, trying kind of for a third kid and also exploring the idea of being foster parents, I got pregnant. Um, so this was, yeah, this was in September I got pregnant. We... I actually know the date, but I, I think I first found out that I was pregnant like October 1 or 2. 
um, and we were just like in shock. Like I, we were in such shock because it had never happened like this where we, I was able to surprise my husband and say like, you're straight up not going to believe this. And he like, he thought I was just like joking. I think I, I don't know if he's joking straight word, but he couldn't believe that, that we had gotten pregnant without all the hoopla, all the crazy hoopla. So, um, it was just like, oh man, what a, like, what a gift. Like God has given us this gift of being pregnant without the appointments and the money. So, um, so yeah, we were pregnant and we didn't really tell anyone. I had some blood work done to make sure the numbers were doubling and they were doing really good. And I was feeling a lot more sick this time, which I took as a good sign. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good sign. Uh, just more symptoms, more pregnancy symptoms, which I think they do get worse the more pregnancies you have. But, um, and then eight weeks, October, we were at my niece's birthday party and I started bleeding. Not a lot of blood and it was, it was the brown blood. So I think that's what they say is kind of the good old blood, not the new blood, but I was kind of concerned. So Monday morning I called my doctor and mentioned that I was bleeding and she asked some questions said, why don't you just come in for a ultrasound? And so I did. I was, yeah, just at eight weeks exactly. And the ultrasound looked great. There was a healthy sac, she described it as, and they saw the heartbeat right away. And yeah, this, this was perfect. She said, this is great news. Um, the fact that you're eight weeks and there's a heartbeat and this and that, like, like smooth sailing, like you're good. That's just normal. And so I was just so relieved and so thankful that she let us have that ultrasound. And, um, and then I didn't really have any more bleeding. I, the next week I went on a trip to Nashville with my mom and we had so much fun. I was still feeling pretty sick, but I was just like, Oh, this is great news. And I, um, yeah, it was just kind of feeling like we're, we're kind of in the smooth sailing after, after this point. And, um, and so then it's early November and I'm just getting closer to that first week appointment. That's, um, when I'm 11 weeks, five days, that's when that appointment was. And it was on a Monday and, um, I was still feeling so sick. I had no reason to have any concerns. So I, it was Monday morning. I told my husband he had no, go to work. Like he's really busy at work right now. So I said, go ahead and go to work. Don't take off of this. And I took, um, I took the boys with me to the appointment. Um, honestly, it was a, just a routine appointment. I had had that earlier ultrasound and they found the heartbeat right away. So the odds were really good in our favor. I'd been pretty sick, feeling better. Um, anyway, we went to the doctor appointment my son Jace took his toy doctor kit. We were just having a lot of fun. My doctor walked in. She was, um, she was all smiles and she said my blood work looked great. And she was, um, excited to see me. She actually even made a little joke that she hoped this was the first, the first baby of mine that she would deliver because I'm in a practice with several doctors and she had not been able to deliver any of my babies yet. She, she was gone or something for the other two. So she said, I just have a feeling I'm going to deliver this baby. And I said, I hope so. And then, um, and then she started to listen for the heartbeat and she, um, she couldn't hear it right away. 
and she was just kind of readjusting, et cetera, et cetera. The boys were just kind of being crazy across the room. So I was pretty distracted, just trying to get them under control. But um, yeah, she's just still looking around for the heartbeat. And honestly, I wasn't too worried. I'm like, I mean, it's obviously there. And then I kind of asked her, I'm like, oh, are you worried about this? Like, are you concerned? And then she said, well, I'm 70% concerned. And then I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> 70% concerned is a lot concerned. And then I started to get a little bit shaky. And she, um, she said, I want to I wanna take you back to an ultrasound right away. And, and so she did. And then she was so kind, actually. She carried Everett, who was one and a half, and and she was just she was just so kind and so helpful because we were you know moving moving to a different room really quick, so ultrasound tech um, got briefed really quick and said we just want to quick take a look at this baby. So the ultrasound tech um, did her thing, and then right away I saw the baby's profile, and then right away I saw that there was no heartbeat. I just saw that right away. What um, wasn't there? No movements. No signs. No signs of life. Um, and I don't think I cried right in that moment. I think I didn't really want to have my reaction then. So we just talked about what was next. Um, and, and she could tell in the ultrasound that the baby had, um, had passed a few days ago. I think the baby was measuring something like 10 and a half weeks and I was 11 and a half weeks. So yeah, so 10 and a half weeks long, um, my doctor said, due to the fact that you're not like just seven or eight weeks, I think that the best thing would be to have a DNC. And, and she, the coolest thing that I remember from that is my doctor giving me a hug and giving my boys a hug and, and just tears in her eyes, which I found so compassionate. And so, um, it meant the world that she had tears over this loss. And I just, yeah, it touched my heart. Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but we are sponsored by My Vitro. After three miscarriages and two rounds of IVF, Danielle Hall started My Vitro to help other women struggling with infertility. Frustrated with the options available to store her expensive fertility medications, she created the Fertility Caddy to organize all of the needles, vials, injectable pens, and supplies that are necessary for a treatment cycle. Feel prepared and ready to take control when that giant box of drugs shows up on your doorstep. Use code LAM, L-A-M, for 10% off of your order at myvitro.com. And as always, thank you for supporting the sponsors who are supporting our show. Now let's get back to it. So met with the surgery scheduler. Um, she took us out a back door so we didn't have to go through the waiting room. And she, I remember her saying that it was kind of like going backstage at Disney World. And I was like, this is nothing like going backstage at Disney World. I was like, this is a consolation prize. I don't, she was just kind of funny, but it just felt kind of weird. So then we got into the elevator, and then I, um, I just started to stab. And we reached the bottom, and I just, I just sat there crying. I'm like, I need to get up. I didn't see this coming at all. This was supposed to be our baby that, that just kind of was a gift, and this baby was this baby was our angel baby and it was our baby that just came into our life so easily without all the work. It's just the baby that was, it just felt like the baby that was meant to be. It was going, the baby was going to be born in June. Um, and that was perfect timing with my work and all that. And it just, 
it just, of course, we had grown so attached. And anyway, the kids were looking at me like I was crazy. And so then I just told them the truth. I said, um, I said, there was a baby in mommy's belly, but that baby died and went to be with Jesus. And I'm just really sad about it. And um, my almost four-year-old just is just looking at me and he just says, you don't have to be so sad, mommy. Um, you don't have to be so sad. Heaven is a happy place. And he, he was just trying to comfort me and, um, and, but that's not, that's not what I was. Um, I don't know. That's not what I wanted at that minute. I was mad. I was sad. I wanted, I wanted a do over. I wanted a boring appointment with a heartbeat of 145. I just, I wanted, I wanted it to be routine and I wanted it. I wanted this baby in our family and our house. And I was just, I wasn't ready to accept it, but we made it home and I called our family and well, I called my husband and he, he really honestly couldn't believe it. He's like, what do you mean? Like, like it's over. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is the plan going ahead. I'm going to have the DNC on Wednesday. And it was my Monday. So it was Monday morning and they already were able to get me in on Wednesday for the DNC. And he was, he was supposed to go on a work trip to Canada, but he, um, he was able to cancel it, even though I said, I can handle it. I can do it. My mom can help. But I'm in hindsight, I'm so glad that he had the kind of the foresight to say, well, I think you'll need me there. And so he, he canceled that and, um, and he was able to be around. So we texted our other immediate families and, um, I texted some close girlfriends and the support that we got was immediate and very tangible. And, um, my, my brother-in-law brought me a Starbucks and some flowers and I just, his kindness of being my brother-in-law who didn't have to do that was just, um, yeah, just so deeply meaningful. And, um, I was still kind of in the mode though of trying to get through it. And I was just, I was thinking about the DNC and I was nervous about what that would be like. I hadn't really been under before besides like a wisdom teeth thing. So yeah, I was just still kind of, I was kind of in denial and the DNC sounded a little bit intimidating, but also it sounded like the most controlled environment. Um, I had several friends who had gone through a miscarriage at home and I knew it was very painful and prolonged and could be, um, could result in a lot of bleeding. And I was just thankful that, um, that I was able to have a DNC. So Wednesday morning came and that our appointment was at, we had to be there at 6 30 AM. So, um, family member came to be with our kids and we went to the hospital and, um, and it's just kind of a crazy thing because you're in a surgery scheduling room with a whole bunch of people there for a whole bunch of reasons and you just don't really want to be there. You just know you have to do it, but it's, yeah, it's, there's nothing really good about it. So, um, saw my doctor again and she was just so compassionate, which felt so, yeah, which felt so great in the time of like loss and it feeling so clinical. Um, the surgery was supposed to take like 20 minutes. It ended up taking two hours just because I um, ended up having a lot of bleeding and they had to do some stitches and um, yeah, that just didn't go totally smooth. So I was so thankful to be, to be at the hospital rather than at home with all that. And I, I knew that I usually do bleed a lot. So it was, 
yeah, it was kind of a little bit scary, but my recovery has gone really well. It's been four and a half weeks since then. Um, yeah, it's been four and a half weeks since then, and it's still, it's still hard, but I, I had prayed right then and there that God would, um, would kind of restore my joy and help me to be present in this season of grief and to be able to still find good things and still see the good things around me. And I, I just have been blessed to be so full of joy and, and sure I am sad and I, I do cry sometimes, but I have been able to find so much joy in this hard time. And I think, um, I think it's just training our eyes and being so intentional about trying to, to look for the good. And even if it's really, 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 really small stuff, um, that adds up to big stuff. So, um, I think, I think after the miscarriage, one of the biggest gifts and one of the biggest surprises to me was the, the power of the community of other people who have gone through this. I, before I went through this, I kind of didn't understand. Um, I don't think I understood how hard a miscarriage was and that it would actually feel so much like a loss, um, an immeasurable loss, like a loss that is, um, that is real and it's got real weight and it's got dreams and hopes and, and a baby all wrapped up in it. And I, I think before when I heard of other people having miscarriages, I thought, oh, that sucks. But I don't think I realized probably what they were going through. And, um, and it has been the people that have gone through a miscarriage that have spoken words that have brought such hope and healing um, and understanding, just to feel like someone understands, understands your pain and understands what you're going through and understands how hard it is to just see other people that we're going to be due around the same time of you as you. And, um, and some of those people who have gone through miscarriages brought over gifts of tangible things. I received, um, a little angel figurine and a necklace and beautiful earrings and some flowers and all these things that I now have enough to fill a really small box. Um, and I can't believe how much that matters to me that I have, that I actually have stuff to remember this baby and our family and my life and my heart and it's tangible. So, um, mm-hmm. so I think if I, you know, if I see another woman, well, yeah, I guess just the tangibleness feels like it just won't be erased forever because it can't be, it, mm-hmm. it can't be erased. Um, yeah. So that has been huge to me and yeah, I think that's that's part of my story, and I just I'm sorry to the women that have gone through this. I'm I'm so so sorry. It's not how things are supposed to be. It's not okay. Um, it's just it's not how it's supposed to go, and it's a real loss. And there's it deserves to be marked. I guess. Yeah, and what's cool is like how grateful you are for all of those women. Now you're able to do that for other people. That's kind of what I always think about. I'm like, cause I was the same way as you where I was kind of like before going through it, I was like, Oh, that sucks. You know, that's nice. Right. And that was like, all. Oh, that was it. You know, I know. I know. And now it's just so different. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. But how can you, you know, how can you, if you haven't been through it, it's hard, but I think, um, 
doing things like this helps people understand, you know, that haven't been through it. So I just want to thank you for jumping on and sharing your story, especially because it is, it's so fresh for you. I mean, four and a half weeks is not long since no. you had your DNC. Um, so I always, I always really appreciate when people kind of share when they're in the trenches, because <laughs> that's where a lot of people are who are listening to this podcast. So thank you so much. And I always ask at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Hmm. Such a good question. I think, um, I think it's to respond to the hurt around you. I think there's a lot of people, um, I know it's such a happy time of year and we see so many, especially at Christmas, we so see so many beautiful pictures of what seems to be perfect situations, but I think there's a lot more hurt than we realize. And to just try to keep a really soft heart for, for maybe not only those people who have gone for miscarriage, and, but those are huge. Like right now, those women are all in my heart and those are the ones I want to, to surround with so much love. Um, but uh, those in other situations, those are, those who are, whose parents are going through divorce, those with the sick family members, those single moms, just, um, just those tiny little things, like the smallest little note or the smallest little um, gift or warm drink or something like that, like could save their entire day. <laughs> and that, cause it mm -hmm. meant the world to me. Like I, I will never forget every single person who showed up for me in those first two weeks. And I was just in tears all the time. And I just, I, I will never forget their kindness. And I think we need to do that for each other. And I, I, I want to be more aware of those who are suffering and try to, the smallest things, the smallest acts of kindness, I think is, um, yeah, because that is what can come out of this, right? That's exactly what you said is just this community that you've built is huge. I'm so thankful for it. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's crazy how big it is. It is, <laughs> it? it? it is. I mean, so one, in, one in four, for sure. Like, that's a lot, but I truly think it's more. It seems like it, right? Like, one in four is a ton. It's a ton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for jumping on sharing. If somebody wants to reach out to you, Stacey, where could they do so? Um, I'm on Instagram at Stacey DeVries, S-T-A-C-I-D-E-V-R-I-E-S. Um, yeah, I would love to to message with anyone who wants to talk. I'm happy to be a friend and I would love to hear from you. Yes. And I, I think a lot of the times people are hesitant to reach out, but really I know, when, people, I know. when people reach out, like it makes both sides feel good. It's, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so you guys don't be scared to reach out. Thank you so much, Stacy, for jumping Thank on. You. Thank you for having story. me. Yes. All right. Keep me All posted right. and we'll chat yes. soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.